Welcome to ep- <laughs> fuck. Welcome to podcast. What the hell am I doing, dude? I was like, my brain is not in this. Day. All right. Welcome to Podcast X, episode 32. I am your host, Ben Kendrick, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hello, I'm here. How are you? <laughs> uh, well, I'm great, Rob. I'm doing fantastic. I'm How's Kofi, though? How's Kofi? And yeah, special guest Kofi Outlaws here. You guys talking to me? My headphones just cut on. So oh, I think yeah. I cut on like, right when you probably said my name. <laughs> just saying, yeah, what's up? How you doing? That's exactly oh, hey, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. We're uh, canceling out the noise, but uh, did too good of a job. <laughs> All good. We're uh, we're back again this week. This week we're going to be talking about the Dungeons and Dragons film as well as the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, so Kofi and I'll do kind of like a little spoiler-free, like I mean, review. I guess I don't know. If there's really all that much you can even spoil in that film, but um, but yeah. And then you know, these guys will obviously be talking about. Spoilers for Dungeons and Dragons since uh, since that thing came out last weekend. So, I'm I'm a little bit curious too if we have a little bit of time at the end of the podcast, like what you guys think this week's box office is going to look like with these two films because oh, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons positive word of mouth, um, but you know kind of started to slow down throughout the weekend a little bit I think, um, and then Super Mario Brothers should make a ton of money, but like not getting the greatest reviews um, kind of out the gate. So interesting to kind of see how how they uh how they battle it out but um so let's start with uh dungeons and dragons since that movie uh you know is already out and people are probably less spoiler adverse on that one and then we'll we'll talk super mario brothers i haven't seen dungeons and dragons and rob hasn't seen super mario brothers so i'll be acting as third party participants on the first part and then rob will rob will play the same role on on the second one kofi has seen both films though so we, we get to enjoy Kofi's perspective on both of them. So why don't we start with Rob? What did you think of Dungeons and Dragons? It's awesome, man. Um, you know, I was eating good. You know, I saw John Wick 4, which is like one of my favorite movies in ages and certainly the favorite movie of the year. And then this one, uh, awesome as well. Super fun, but f- for very obvious and different reasons, right? This one's um, who is it now? It's John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein directed this one. And if you've seen yep. the Vacation or Game Night, like you have an idea of their uh, comedic chops, uh, and that carries through. And I think um, Paramount, to the credit, we're not shy of hiding that. If you go back to, and I want to say it was Comic Con last year, they were showing footage of this, and it was like very good comedic beats. And they were smart to go with someone like Chris Pine, who's a, a proven lead, but who can do. The drama that like you can do, like the suave, like lead the hero, but can also be like really friggin' funny and like a, like a, a it can be romantic lead. But to this film's credit, um, while and can I jump into spoilers, Ben? I know you haven't seen it, but yeah, no, I'm um, fine. Yeah, I'm fine, and I think like yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's it's fine. So, so the advertised Chris Pine's character Edgen has like this. Um, he's a bard, right? He's always playing the, his little 
fucking guitar or whatever. <laughs> but he, he, it wasn't always that. He was part of like a, uh, a special group of heroes, almost like a, like a, uh, a knight of sorts, right? Uh, uh, I want to say paladin, but minus the powers, right? Um, and his the, the love of his life passed away. And he was kind of on a quest to find the, the, the tool, the magic tool that will help bring her back. And that's kind of the through line of his adventure. And you have your D&D style party going out in adventures and the initial party fell apart. And then the film opens up and it's him and Michelle Rodriguez's character, the barbarian in prison. Um, and uh, they escape and, you know, the next party comes back together and they're off and running again. Um, and through their journey, um, learn more about what they're really capable of and learn to be not just a group who are of thieves, hence the title on among these, but um, learn to make choices that are less selfish and become heroic in the end. Right. I, I think the obvious tropes follow through there. Um, but man, like, th- like you, you see the trailers and there's so much CG visual effects and there is, and they use it to do some really crazy and cool creative shots. I know we like, we, we geeked out on the amazing like cinematography and video game sequences of John Wick four. There's like much more CG infused, weirder magical versions of that in this film, but there's some really cool creative shots they do um, with some of the characters powers, um, like the Druid's powers turning into animals, stuff like that. So they have like a camera following through the streets and other cool shots. And that involves some artifacts and stuff. And it's, it's actually really cool and ambitious what they do. Um, And sure. The CGI isn't the strongest. Like you look at an animal in CG moving, it looks fake, but it's consistent and it fits the tone of what they're doing. And the kind of the goofiness of it all, and that it also stays extremely consistent when they go from an environment to set piece to different environment because there's like a huge dungeon sequence, there's a city sequence, there's a forest sequence, so it it just fits all the way through despite all these crazy different um, set pieces they find themselves in. Uh, so it, it it I was okay with it, unlike you know unlike Ant Man where like it's always jarring because something doesn't fit. In this film, they use their tools in a consistent way, so it does fit. But what I want to call out with that is that there's also an incredible amount of practical effects. And if you've been watching like the writers or directors on Twitter, they've been sharing like uh, Jonathan is like this eagle based character and it's actually a full real suit with the moving beak and it's hilarious. And they have like a dragon's face, which is completely real and a bunch of other really cool effects, including like, uh, oh crap, what do you call the chest with the tentacle? tongue that comes out it grabs michelle rodriguez like that's a real tongue they built that that pulls her so a lot of really and of course like the zombies they keep awakening from the sequence they showed at comic-con that they have to talk to to get in from information um all, again all practical um and i also love that, that i talked about chris pine a lot i love that the central two characters uh michelle and chris they keep them plutonic the whole way through it's not the obvious lovey-dovey story that switches from your past love to, to your new love in that way. So it's 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 more about that family and that party coming together. So I really, really liked it. I think um, it's a shame this one's coming out in such a crowded market, but I think this film delivers everything I think moviegoers should have gotten from a Shazam on paper, but mm. did not at all. This one is really, really awesome, and I think it totally works for, of course, your D&D fans who love the lore and play through all the old editions and stuff like that, and especially a lot of the monster callbacks. But but for anyone who doesn't know anything about D&D, it's just a really fucking solid adventure movie. So um, this and John Wicker, I, th- I think, are my favorite movies of the year so far. So I'm, I'm curious what, what Kofi thought. Um, yes, well, as we know that, um, you know, let's just say right off the bat, I am paid by Paramount, but uh, I don't pay me to say what I'm about to say. That's not part <laughs> of They only pay you to say what you say on your other podcast, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, on hopefully award-winning uh, pod- 
Comic Book Nation where we reviewed this film. So <laughs> if you're like a hardcore, hard Kofi Ella follower, then you know my light and dark side opinions of things on these two podcasts. But um, yeah, I will tell you there's not really a dark side to this one. What I said on Comic Book Nation is what I will say here. Rob nailed a lot of what I said. But uh, just to kind of sum it up, it's that, you know, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I watched a lot of cult fantasy adventure films back in the days where they could get like crazy wild like Lady Bird and the sword and the sorcerer and things like that. Um, and, you know, we haven't had that kind of B-movie genre fantasy adventure film in a way that that is actually really good and entertaining. Like now B-movie becomes just like crap movie. But um, B-movie is a specific kind of thing. It entertains you. It doesn't have to be – not everything has to be on blockbuster, high-budget, like crazy levels or scales. And this movie does enough of blockbuster stuff but enough kitschy kind of weird comedy stuff and enough kind of throwback. You could tell these guys were raised on those same movies I was, those 80s and 90s kind of fantasy adventures from the princess brides all the way on through, because as Rob said, they create a world and that's, they build a world of that feels like forgotten realms come to life. Like Dungeons and Dragons come to life. They do it in a way that's not like, so like jerk off expository to the game to be like, okay, you know that this is a, like we don't, you never once in this movie get like a heavy, even when they're delivering like heavy exposition about a bunch of D and D words, like it's it's comedic and it's snappy and it's not like kind of uh, it's not it's not like obnoxious. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. turn an average person away and be like, OK, I can't follow what the hell these people are saying. Like in, like a, a, a monologue, a group monologue on Star Trek is more like tech heavy and, and weird and, and kind of esoteric than this. Anything in this game, even though they drop a lot of. They drop a lot of names, classes, specific monsters or creature names. and Yeah, locations. Like Neverwinter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's all just done in such a nonchalant way that it works. And this movie strikes the strange effect because I like to – I've had to go see this and John Wick 4 out with the norms at norm screenings on Thursday nights. Not at my special, you know, VIP stuff. So – I like to hang around the theater for post credit scene reasons and for just to hear what people say and like to linger outside for a minute in the shadows uh, and be like, you know, what are people saying? And, you know, this movie had a front loaded audience because D and D fans showed up to see it and they came out and they all said the same kind of thing, which was, okay. So that wasn't like, that wasn't like a, it wasn't so heavy on the D and D but that's okay because it was really entertaining, and I know it'll get more people interested in D anD D. And they and they and there was enough nods for them to feel like it was authentic in the way they needed it to be authentic. But they also got that it was like a movie playing to a broader audience. And it, there is a lot. These guys are so good at like putting together comedy, but also putting together like a complete story arc. Vacation and game night, for whatever you want to say about them, both have these complete story arcs to them, right? Um, where you go on a journey and it feels like a journey and they're great about kind of balancing larger story arc with kind of almost episodic, like sitcom-y episodic sequences, right? 
Like we go from one thing and you don't really have to connect things fully. Like we don't have like a lot of traveling scenes like, okay, now we know we're moving to this place. They just kind of lightly hop and go where they need to go. And we accept each new setup. Like when they get to a graveyard full of zombies, we don't need a whole bunch of research about how we found the graveyard and do all this stuff. We just get there and like we do what we need to do with the zombies and it's hilarious. And like it keeps it light enough to kind of go there and we get a whole flashback sequence. And like Rob said, there's a lot of like sequence choices in here that are unorthodox that you wouldn't expect but that are just so hilarious and, and like, or entertaining that keep things very novel and keep your attention. Like the whole thing with the Druid, um, Sophia Lillis's character and making an app. She sent out a spy mission and we've seen a lot of spy missions and the tension of a spy mission, which is the spy going in and seeing something pivotal and knowing, you, you know, now they're in danger. They got to find out and they got to get the fuck out of there, but you've never seen it with a shapeshifter who can turn into any kind of animal but is also trying to outrun a witch who can sense where she is and kind of blast her instantly. And it's one of the most fun sequences that made me sit up in my seat and be like, Oh shit, I didn't expect something like this, like in this movie, like this is dope. Like in seeing her get away and do all that. Um, I was trying to think, yes, Rob mentioned the zombie sequence, but just the opening sequence of this movie is just so not what you would expect with like how we get your standard kind of, flashback about like who to establish the expository stuff, who the main characters are and what their backstories are. It's all done in the most obvious kind of heavy handed flashback way, but in this comedic way where we stop the flashback and that's how this whole Jonathan thing comes, becomes a motif of the movie, but because they're waiting, they're telling a story, but they're also waiting for somebody and they're like, and they keep stopping the flashback to be like, wait, should we really wait for this guy? Like the story's so much better if this person's here and they're like, and then it keeps going. So it's like this kind of comedic spin on what you're used to from like a heavy expository backstory. Um, and it's just little tweaks like that, that make this movie so fun and novel and, even like people like Reggie uh, Reggie Jean Page Reggie Jean Page, um, he is not in this movie as much as you think from the advertisements. But like even he is just doing stuff that is so like offbeat, weird, and funny. <laughs> yeah, there's some funny <laughs> shit with him. <laughs> yeah, that it's just like there's just like a gag. There's an entire gag of just every character doing nothing but watching him walk away, and there's like a whole <laughs> hilarious gag about that. And it's like laugh out loud funny. And like everybody in my theater was busting out laughing. I was busting out laughing. And it's just like the weirdest random, like it feels Dude, weird. Shit, it's just I have to it. jump in, Kofi. There's also another one like that. That was a fucking laugh out that moment. But before that, there's a sequence where they use like Chris Pine as a distraction. And it's kind of like not what you think. And it goes wrong. But the visual of what's happening to his face is like one of the funniest fucking things I've seen in movies in years. You know what I'm talking about, Kofi? No, I forget that part. Which part is Oh, that? it's it's um uh, they're kind of going into the city and, and Justice Smith's character, Simon, is using magic to create like a, a fake version. It's the scene where he's jumping with the guitar and he's so happy and he's talking to the guards and he's just playing his song and he's singing. Then his oh, yeah. eyes start popping and it's <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh god, that's right. Yeah. Is that is that uh was that in the third act? Is that like near? The- oh, I want to say it was in the second act in the middle. But yeah, I've been going into the third act, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, oh, I was thinking <laughs> the other thing I was thinking of was the scene in the graveyard. So they do the whole thing with waking up the zombies, and there's this whole question gag. But then, and they show this at Comic Con, they do something you didn't need to do this at all, but they produce a whole fucking medieval battle sequence, possibly like one of the biggest medieval battle sequence shots in this whole movie. 
um, in terms of like a large scale army fighting as fucking dragon and doing the whole nine just for these comedic flashbacks about how these people died. And it's just a sequence of each person about how their last moments went on this battlefield. And it's like literally some game of Thrones shit. They just threw in the middle of here just for the gags of how different fucking people die. And it's fucking hilarious Um, as they're trying to solve, like track down this artifact and and find this mystery from all these dead guys who can only remember shit up until they died. Yeah. And some of the guys had like nothing to do with the battle. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Um, yeah, and I don't say this lightly, but I've been thinking about it in the last few days and I'm just like, Dungeons and Dragons might be like the most fun I've had seeing like a movie in a long time. And I mean, fun, not like John Wick was awesome. And like, I had like enjoyed that for an action movie and it was fun in that sense. But I mean, like just like hands down, like, Oh my God, I'm having a good time. And like minute to minute, this shit is funny. Or like, I'm just cracking up at it. I don't think I've seen a movie that's made me like do that this much since like, yeah, in a long time. I, um, I agree. Yeah, this, this I think like, yeah. I'm going to go see this. I think this and Wick are both like, man, I want to go see it again. Cause like for a week afterwards and still off cut right now, of course, I'm, I'm still thinking about all the different sequences. We didn't even talk about the whole portal sequence and all the crazy stuff that happens with that. And then uh, one thing we haven't talked about is like on top of everything we're talking about and how like there's so much content packed into this. It's two hours plus, but there's so much in there. It could have been like Kofi was saying, like a four episode, like really quality miniseries, but it's a wonderful cinematic spectacle. Um, the action is so fucking awesome too. Like each character gets a really good action sequence, especially uh, Holga, it's Michelle Rodriguez's character who like takes out a bunch of soldiers in the street and they do such a good job of shooting it and making it feel raw. Like, it's it's not John Wick, obviously, but it's like it's like so awesome in its own right and its own style, and and every character gets a bit of that. So I was so impressed by that too. Like they really nailed and put so much work into so many different set pieces. I'm, it's, it's incredible that this film was even allowed to be made, given the scope and, and budget behind this thing. So, but man, I'm happy they did. And Ben, I, I think you you must see this. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, the only thing I'll say is I'm John Wick Four has made me aware. Um, between this, Super Mario, and some other things I've had to watch this year that I am starting to glaze over. I, I've fallen asleep nearly on every third act fight that I've seen in films, including this one. I started to nod off a little bit. But then I didn't want to because there are some really fun different ways they do the third act fight in this one when you start using like portals and magic powers and shit like that and person who can turn into a owlbear and stuff like that. But um, yeah. John Wick 4 also just made me – but it did make me realize like you can – take away all that standard third act battle shit and do something that has you on the edge of your seat just as much like watching two dudes walk towards each other with pistols and kind of duel it out. So I just hope we get some more kind of inventive third act ways to kind of settle all this shit besides these big battles. Cause I really am starting to glaze over. Yeah. yeah do you fair. feel like, so, I mean, you're saying that even with John wick, like seeing John wick, you felt like at the end of that, you were glazing over some. No, I'm the opposite. I'm saying that taught okay. me like that taught. Yeah, like, I yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, like it was it was a novel way to kind of end that. It wasn't just like a warehouse full of guys we had to yeah. kill to get to the bad guy and then kill him. It was just like the whole pistol duel and outwitting that guy. Like it was that was much more interesting. I think that's quite true. Like I, you know, obviously I haven't seen this movie, but you know that was what I said was so jarring about seeing Shazam right afterwards. And you know we're going to talk about Mario Brothers here in a bit and. Like there's, I wouldn't, it's not so much that because, you know, obviously it's like animated, you know, like it's an animated no, it was film or something, thing, but for me. yeah, I mean, I like, I didn't want to, 
yeah, I mean, I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but it is kind of like the end of it is like, it's just sort of pandemonium, you know, non like it's not really orchestrated in a way that's overly like inventive. And I, I, but I really felt it in Shazam. I mean, you know, Rob and I talked about it. It's like the point at which in Shazam where like these like mythological monsters just start showing up just to kind of like menace the town is like, yeah, it's, it's, it was so weird. Cause it, it was just kind of like, you didn't need this. Like, just give me the main threat and make that cooler. Like, I don't need to see all these, like, I don't know, like centaurs getting hit by cars and the, you know, yeah, the, like, the, it's so weird. The problem with that movie, I, you probably saw the quotes from James Gunn talking to Rolling Stone about this, like with the the idea of superhero fatigue, but it applies to yeah. all these things. It's why like Transformers fell apart, you know, pre Bumblebee. It's, it's, yeah. it's all the Godzilla films, uh, you know, after the whatever fucking first one to me. And then yeah. a lot of the superhero films, it's like, as soon as you start losing the character shit, nothing matters. And actually I brought up the same thing with John wick, like in two and three, the directors admitted like we lost the character part. And that's why they think two and three got worse and worse. And this one, they focus on the character stuff. So like, like Kofi was saying, the end of the, the third act of that, you could have like the, 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 the powerful emotions behind Donnie Yen's Kane character and John wick. Like there's so much there behind them. They're each fighting for a different reasons. One for freedom, one for their child. It matters, but it's so simple. It's an old duel. And like every step they take matters. That's so much better than 10,000 CGI things uh, bouncing around some fake Philadelphia or whatever the fuck in, in Shazam 2. Cause I don't give a shit about what Shazam and his family of non-powered people in that scene are doing. Right. I just want it to end. Um, but uh, you know, to, to go bring it back to D and D I kind of wish to answer Kofi's issue with that. I kind of wish to pull back on the wizard fight of it all. And, focused on the on the creative set piece they had which was like the maze because that was something different it wasn't your typical like you know team up against a villain or battle of, of two factions it was like no nah, they're in this maze and they have to figure this cool puzzle way to get out and that was kind of an interesting departure from what we saw in the first two acts but um of course they brought it around did a more of a traditional um battle in the end and teasing the next villain of sorts but um yeah. but yeah we don't have to keep dwelling on that if you guys want to talk about mario no i'm, uh, I'm, a couple gonna, of, uh, oh, I'm sorry i'm just gonna say there's one scene and uh, if you listen to our episode of uh, Comic Book Nation, we got to talk with the villain of D&D, Daisy Head, who has been killing it in franchises lately, kind of racking up. Uh, she's done Sandman. She was done. What else? Oh, she yeah. Done? Yeah, she's done she, a lot. Yeah. Um, she's in Shadow and Bone. Shadow she and was, Bone. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, and the daughter of Giles from Buffy, if you didn't know that. Wait, really? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Anthony Head's daughter, yeah. I guess I can see that. Like their face, like their face, yeah, the unique look. Like the eyes, no, the eyes. When you see the yeah. eyes, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's right." It's like the that's eyes right. and like the kind of pointy chin, sort of. That they, yeah. yeah, that's funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so we got to talk to her too, and uh, that was a great interview. So check that out. But uh, no, she was good and intense as that. And I, I hope we get to see more of like the Evil Dead Red Wizard Tarsum Singh or whatever his name is. I think that's the director I just named. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, like yeah, that they had it because I asked her. I was like, "Did you guys have more of that one scene with him, like your master?" Because that was like some freaky horror shit. Did you guys do more of that? And she cut it down. She said, "No, that was the only time they did it." But there is like a freaky, almost horror scene that's like better than some horror movies that they do with her talking to him and like, yeah, I hope we do get a D and D movie that gets a little bit more. I wouldn't mind getting a little more scary with it. Yeah. They, so I'm kind of curious, like how, um, 
like how much do you think so if like if i was a big fan of of D, like playing the game or reading you know the like the books and different things like that that's like you know kind of made that fandom what it is do you do you feel like i'd be satisfied with this movie like or I do. do you feel okay so and like also feels like a game yeah okay yeah because like look, if you played like you going back to the 90s and you're playing like the the Baldur's gate games which is a spinoff of the neverwinter lore like that is in there and then of course the the current thing i, I love the neverwinter games neverwinter nights and now they have neverwinter online but uh it, they go to neverwinter so yeah it's all there man like they and, and, and like kofi alluded to a lot of the monsters and stuff like that they are all playing specific classes um another thing we need to talk about something like there's a special cameo in this film and a, a bit of a gimmick for Michelle Rodriguez's uh, love interests in this. Yeah, that's funny. Hilarious. <laughs> and I can't um, believe they kept that a secret. Yeah, me too. I, I had no clue. I almost had to second guess myself. It's like, is that really? And it, it was. Um, but uh, yes, the answer is yes to all of your questions, Ben, in terms of uh, the, yeah, the lore. Yeah. Of, yeah. Like I said, I waited around. There, people, they do enough. Like these are true D&D. You can tell these people are like real D&D nerds and that they know all this stuff. But they're also socially adjusted enough to know, like, we can't beat everybody over. Not everybody's going to find a 20-minute exposition scene explaining why wizards can't do this, but palatins can is, like, interesting. Yeah. yeah, So, like, let's just keep it light. And and they do – one of the things I don't – I mean, we talked about the effects. But one thing they do is they take this smart approach of literally just making you immersed in this world that's already established. And it's a shit DC needs to get right in their universe too, but they just plunge you in and they don't hold your hand. They don't tell you like, you have to go into this realm where monsters are real and all this stuff. They're just like, they're in a prison. They start name dropping the prison that's in the Arctic realms. And it's like D and D fans are like, Oh shit, I know that. And like, you see the prison and you see, a, it starts off with like a monster, a Cyclops, I think. And like, there's this whole thing and you're just in that world. Yeah. And cool. they just, and the characters, and no, at no point do they like pull back and be like, "This is a D and D thing." The characters just talk about places, people, names. The names are weird as shit. The names of the places are weird as shit. But they're all kind of like touching on D and D stuff. And like, if you're a fan of the games, you go, "Oh, I get that." It's kind of like Mario Brothers, which we can transition to, which yeah, I think in a cheaper way does the same trick. Which is there's a lot of like like dog whistles in Mario Super Mario totally. Brothers movie for. Yeah. 80s and 90s kids who played video games and grew up during that original Nintendo and Super Nintendo era. And like, really, there's so many kind of Easter eggs. And like I said, dog whistle signals that if you are an 80s kid, 90s kid in Super Mario Brothers movie, you go, oh, yeah, okay, I totally know that. shit." And if you're not, you don't necessarily get it, but doesn't take away anything from what you're seeing. So, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons works that line better than Super Mario, I think. But uh, they definitely like work it so that, yeah, even if, if you're a fan of the games, you're not going to be unsatisfied. You're going to enjoy this movie and be like, OK, that was a funny comedy movie with some great D&D nods in it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, I was really excited to see this one. I just happened to like miss there were two screenings and they were happening like kind of at times when I wasn't able to really like really you go. You just hating I, on Paramount Pictures, bro. I do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just like I got to balance you out. But no, I mean, I. I, ca- I almost thought about going just this weekend by myself for, you know, like Thursday night showing and, and I just got tied up. So I'm disappointed I haven't seen it, but I may try and uh, my like Ashley's brother is in town this week. So she's gonna be hanging out with him a lot. And so I may try and sneak off, sneak off and go see it just because I, I don't know, you know, like I like that cast. I like, 
you know, I'm interested in a fantasy world like this. And if it does it well and it's fun and entertaining, I'm, I could be that person who helps the box office this weekend, yeah, I worked, guess. But. They actually worked well together in a weird kind of way. It's a weird collected collection of actors, but they actually do work well together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll say this too before we move on. Paramount was rightfully confident in this one. Like they, of course, they premiered it as like the, the, main premiere of South by Southwest. They they brought it to everyone at Comic-Con. They let everyone talk to everyone multiple times. I think we did four sets of interviews with this film. Wow. Which I, yeah, with Chris Pine, of all people. And we've talked about our history with that guy. But yeah. you can tell he was either <laughs> – he's pretty happy with this one, I think, because he took the lead on yeah. a lot of this and, and seemed pretty proud of his work, and rightfully so. I think they I think they all knew they had something that was actually pretty genuine and good on their, on their hands. And um, I hope it works out in their favor, man, because this one absolutely deserves to be an ongoing franchise. So I was, yeah, I was talking to someone at work the other day where I was like, it kind of felt like between John Wick and Dungeons and Dragons, like it kind of feels, you know, like knock on wood a little bit that like the post COVID movie kind of curse is like lifting a little bit. Like these are movies that I feel like we would have gotten like before COVID, you know, they like, they have sure. sets with like lots of people on them. It doesn't feel like these kind of like confined, weird little, you know, sort of like they were having to shoot around weird kind of shooting restrictions or anything yeah, like no that. Yeah, no shortcuts in this one. Yeah, yeah. And like they also – and the way that people are interacting with them kind of in the theater of sort of being like, no, man, you got to go check that one out. Like I feel like I'm hearing more of my friends be like, man, I haven't gone to a movie in a while, but I heard this movie's good and actually just sort of like – finding their way in the theaters, which is, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. We'll see. I'm kind of hopeful that this summer we're going to, we're going to feel like we're coming back finally to, to theaters well, so, in the way that we used to. During COVID, we were really strangled for content and it was yeah. really hard to get any other films except the big superhero ones out. And I don't think there's superhero yeah. film fatigue so much as there's just like, people are just excited to see other kinds of movies. Like, yeah, I think that's true. If you just yeah. look at this year, it's just been like, people are fucking, I mean, and I think, you know, praise to Xenu. We owe it all to Tom. We owe a lot of that to Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like, no it's bullshit, true. like Top Gun Maverick, like <laughs> Top yeah. Gun Maverick literally reminded people like what it was to go to a movie and not just see superhero fucking shit, but like an actual movie movie. Yeah. That, like that's true. really got you back into the magic. And so, if you look at this year, it's very interesting to see, like, yeah. you know, us worry more about Marvel and DC, but we're like Creed three knocking out the fucking box office. Yeah. Oh, Scream doing well. Fucking yep. John Wick doing really well. Dunge- even Dungeons and Dragons off to like a better than expected start, and seems like yeah. it could have good word of mouth. And all I know is that in a couple months, late summer. My fucking peacock and Paramount Plus is going to be off the chain. <laughs> be able to do, yeah. Be able to do this like in the same month. Just be watching these movies all over again. It's going to be great. It is true. I mean, this is like three. I'm going to be John Wick four. I'm going to be watching some D and D. It's going to be shit. It's true though. I mean, there's actually like films competing at the box office finally again, right? Like, oh, dude, all years it's, it's crazy. There's like 35 yeah, negatives so coming movies. this year. Yeah, because yeah. there's like, I mean, I think like looking forward to the end of the like at the end of April, there's like two or three movies opening one weekend against each other, which has been oh, basically yeah. unheard of for like you know years, like three and a half years. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was crazy. I was writing an article today about Karen Gillan making somebody making a nebula fucking Barbie poster. And I was like, this is crazy that I'm writing about this, but like, you know, it is crazy that this summer we are going to be just doing like both of these movies are coming in like, yeah. you know, weeks. 
within weeks of each other this summer. Like, and it's just yeah. like, yeah, we're fast X. Like we are fucking stacked. Yeah. Across the spider verse opens. And then oh. like, then you I thought for some reason, I thought, week. yo, I'm tripping out because I, with all of these shifts, I have totally lost track and I kind of like it. I don't watch trailers that much anymore. And I, and with the COVID shifts, I, I just gave up trying to keep track of like where everything yeah. is. Cause I have no idea. I forget. I, I keep making mistakes all the time. I'm like, Oh yeah. Isn't that that? And people are like, no, that's now move to this. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. It's but, crazy. Uh, I mean, yeah, I had, it's crazy. I, I had no idea. I, I kept thinking Spider Verse was in November, December. I had no idea yeah. it was coming in June. I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh shit!" Because yeah, it's like you have Guardians of the Galaxy, and then you have two weeks until Fast X. Then the week after Fast X, we get the Little Mermaid. The week after that is Spider Verse. The week after that is Rise of the Beast. The week after that is Elemental, and then same and weekend, Flash, right? yeah, same weekend we get Flash. And then Indiana Jones is like two weeks after Flash. And then, yeah, I mean, the Mission Impossible is the week after Indiana Jones. <laughs> like Barbie is the like is a week after after that. Um, yeah, and then we have like Oppenheimer and shit. I mean, that's just into July. Like it's pretty, there's going to be yes. like one big movie to talk about, you know, at least every week, like all summer, which is oh fucking nuts. Oh my God, when's the last time yeah. that's happened? Yeah. Pretty crazy. It's exciting though. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I'm. That's what I mean. I just feel. I don't know. It's for the first time where I kind of like, sort of felt like at least you know COVID. Like you know, people aren't running around wearing masks as much anymore and stuff like that. Like I understand all that, but it's like it still felt like in our industry that we were a bit like held back still, and like now it's starting to feel like I don't know. Like you know, it's coming back. Like we're not just watching TV shows. Like there's some big movies to be excited about, and if one of them is terrible, you know, the next week there's another one that that gets to like shine. Whereas like I feel like we've kind of been in this place where we sort of live with bad movies for a while right now. Because if if one doesn't hit, it's like we well, got a month and a half before another one that's worth seeing, you know, was hitting theaters. But um, everything else was just going to Amazon and Apple TV and Paramount Plus and everything. So. Yeah, there, um, are, there are to that point though. There are some bangers on streaming too, right? I think totally. uh, yeah, Ghost is coming out with that weekend. Flash is coming out. Extraction hits Netflix, and that's going to be a mega hit too. I'm sure. Yeah, right? for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, there's been good, you know, like Tetris and Air and stuff like that. Because though, isn't Air is Air only in theaters? I guess Air is only in theaters. That's in theaters but, Tetris now, yeah. is, but Tetris was like opening on Apple TV as well. It like did yeah, a theatrical right. run and then went in. Yeah. Well, they all have to now if they want to stay eligible for them Oscars, right? Yeah, that's, it. <laughs> that's right. Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, so let's slide. You know, we tried to make this transition earlier, but I think I think we're finally ready to talk about it. So, Kofi and I went and saw Super Mario Brothers last night, fresh out of the theater on that one. Kofi, why don't you... You started already kind of setting this up in a way that I think is, is interesting and pairs well with what we've been talking about. So... Um, you know, why don't you kind of give your your take on Super Mario, and and then we'll go from there. I'll I'll weigh in on my part. Look, Super Mario is real simple. Um, the kids are gonna have a blast. There's not much here for the adults. It is a juvenile movie through and through. Like, and I don't mean like there's fart humor or any of that. I mean just like they are clearly not aiming at an older brow of audience. They. I mean, the the writing of the script, like within 10 minutes, I knew, okay, this movie's not for me. 
like not to say like it's not my taste it's just like no the makers of this film are aiming at my children and want to entertain them with bright colors and sounds and stuff like that but like they say lines out loud like okay here we go our adventure is really going to begin now yeah and you're like <laughs> Yeah. And you're like you're, you're like there's a, and you're like there's a joke coming after that, right? And you're like there's going to be some kind of like because I've seen a lot of Pixar films, and like somebody will say like you don't need to say that out loud, and but no, in this movie it's it's an unironic, genuine comment. And yeah, just like in the moment that happens, and I think that was in the first act. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, well, uh, I'm out, and I was just like, I'm out with my brain yeah. just did that Homer Simpson thing where he like walks down the stairs and out the door. <laughs> um, yeah. But like in, and that was a good move on my part because yeah, like pretty much the rest of this movie, like I said, it is a kid's movie through and through. It is just, it's dumb. It's obvious. It's just by the numbers straight up, like everything you can think of with a bunch. And I said, the most clever thing about it for adults is these kind of clever references to your 80 90s gaming experiences that meant so much to you that you pick out and they from like Easter egg pictures to like things the characters do and like sequences they have in the game. Like there's a game somewhere along the Mario franchise that it, they make sure that they're going to be like, you say, Oh, that's my game that I remember. Yeah. Like they just referenced, Oh my God. I remember the first time that I got, you know, that feather power up and got that raccoon suit or whatever it is. And you'll be like, and it'll make you go, Oh, so it's a nostalgia machine. But uh, right now, like, I, I mean, the problem with Mario super Mario brothers movie feels like, you know, <laughs> and it is appropriate timing for this, but it, it feels like it was made by an actual Nintendo machine instead of like <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Um, like everything about this is like a focus groups, like, distilled into a movie so that's how it plays it is just weirdly kind of like like again this is like i feel like somebody did a test like could an ai make a better super mario brothers movie than we could and it's like yeah i mean it did all right for its first time yeah um, but uh yeah so this is just weird cold kind of like product product sheen to this whole thing as opposed to it in, including down to the actors like I love Chris Pine and Charlie Day. I think they're both funny and talented actors. They're from some of my favorite, you know, sitcoms of the last century. But it, it was a weird choice for them to be Mario and Luigi. Um, it, it, I mean, they don't do bad jobs, but it's just a weird choice. There's weird things like weird 90s you know, power 2000s pop music thrown into this. Yeah. The music is weird in this movie. Yeah. The music is very weird. The soundtrack. Now I will say on the other hand though, Anya Taylor joy on the positives, Anya Taylor joy and Jack black seem to like really yeah. understand the assignment because <laughs> they do wonderful jobs in this as their characters, like yeah. as Bowser and princess peach, like they are great. And like they let Jack, the best parts of this movie are when they let Jack Black just do some weird Jack Black stuff. Yeah. And they just, and like it's, and I think they found out late that there was like the greatest thing about the movie because I mean, they even pay some of that stuff off even down to the credits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But sure. like they're just like, those are some of the best parts of this movie. It's just like literally Jack Black. And it's about like, I think it's in the second act where his whole, 
version of Bowser just takes this weird slant. <laughs> I don't know if he just like ate mushrooms one day and then was just like, you know, we should do it this way. But like, yeah, that part is great. And Anya Taylor joy is great as peach. And like yeah. her whole delivery and kind of the way she plays peach is really good. But, um, yeah, so those were good voice castings. But like I said, I don't know if anybody could have had the good job of voicing two of the most iconic game characters ever without also being an Italian stereotype, which they kind of make fun of. Because at first, I again, I don't watch trailers, so I don't, I hadn't seen like what I had seen a thousand headlines about Chris Pratt's Mario voice, but I never heard it. So I got thrown in one of the first scenes where they kind of pay homage to the classic Mario Brothers stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's not half bad. Is that what we're doing in this movie? I was like, that's actually not half bad. And then a minute later, I was just like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Rob, there's an in-universe explanation for the voice change. From like that, it's a me, I'm a, you know, like the old, what? you know, voice hack. There's actually like an in in movie explanation for why Chris Pratt sounds like Chris Pratt's take on Mario, as opposed to like Charles Martinet's, you know, like kind of iconic video game voice. Really, I'm yeah. surprised he did that. So, yeah. yeah, but they it's also a, make it more meta because Charles Martinet, there, like, is actually voices another character in the movie yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah he does yeah, talk yeah. that way yeah he just talks exactly that way yeah so yeah. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> it's like yeah there's some funny there's there's some funny kind of like subversions of stuff i will say yeah in general like i'm in agreement with with kind of kofi's take on it like i i had a lot of fun watching it i think i probably had more fun watching it than kofi did i was laughing a lot and i was like you know i was you sort of said it, it's almost like the, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, like with the leaning forward in the chair. It's like, there's so many moments in the movie where I'm like, Oh, like that's straight out of the N64 game. Oh, that's straight out of, you know, when I used to play like Mario Kart 64. Oh, that's like out of, you know, Mario Odyssey or something like there's so many, but it's also like, so it's fun seeing those things because if there's nostalgia to it and they're implemented in kind of an exciting way here in a beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful looking movie. Like, it's colorful, and it's, you know, especially, like, the effects in, like, I would say everything that's not the Mushroom Kingdom. So, like, you know, Bowser's Bowser's sort of area, and, like, you know, there's a couple other areas that are sort of like that. Like, the jungle, you know, the jungle kingdom and stuff. Like, they're very, like, lush and, and visually stimulating, oh, yeah. you know. Beautiful, beautiful production. Yeah. Beautiful production. For it sure. is a really, I was joking with someone and we may end up writing an article about this on like on slash film or, or Looper or something. It's like, you know, it's almost like watching whatever the Nintendo switch threes version of Mario is going to be. It's like, that's what this movie looks like. You know, it's like next, next gen Mario game. But to Kobe's point, it does look like it was kind of fed. Like if you made a computer watch all of the Marvel or not Marvel, all of the Mario like games walkthroughs of the Marvel. Why do I keep saying Marvel Mario games? And then you showed him like the cartoon and then you showed him like, you know, the crazy movie from like, you know, the nineties or whatever, like then it spits out a movie. Like this is the movie it spits out because it's kind of like the way that things are connected is very, very weird. Like the kind of connection that like a human being wouldn't necessarily make. It's like, how do we get Donkey Kong in the movie? Oh, it's that, you know, Princess Peach is going to go have to like try and get his army. And okay, well, we want this scene where you know they're in the cart. No, the AI just saw Black Panther and was like, "I have an idea for this." 
Yeah. It was like, we need Jabari <laughs> tribe. This yeah. is a Jabari tribe. No, that's what I was like, what you're touching on. There's a lot of things I was like, okay, so this idea is like from this place. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. That's, and I was like, okay. But like, yeah, that, no, that's just Black Panther, dog. That's just Black yeah. Panther straight up. It's like, it's like weird. Like they go to the jungle, you know, place with the, with the Kongs and everything. And like all the Kongs are like, like gearheads basically in this version of the story. So they make carts and that's how they get the carts. So it's like, it's things that they're pulling from like the games, like visually, but then trying to have to explain all of it from a story perspective, which is like very like disconnected feeling. I think for people who are familiar with the games as well as also just kind of like weird storytelling, like it doesn't, there's no real rhyme or reason as to why like, you know, Donkey Kong and his people are like, you know, drifting around, driving these crazy cars that are like exploding everywhere in their jungle, in their jungle kingdom and stuff. Like it's, it's all just sort of style in some ways over, you know, over substance, which is, you know, fine. Like this movie's going to make a ton of money appealing to kids. It's going to get kids excited about these games. It's going to do everything it's supposed to do, but it's missing that like, you know, I don't even want to call it like Pixar magic anymore because I think Pixar has kind of lost some of their steam in, in terms of like successfully balancing like, you know, what made it good, for some of their stuff like really stimulating and interesting for adults and kids. But, you know, when you think of those classic Pixar movies that like you would want to go see like a Wally or an Up or something, and then you look at this, it's like this ain't that. This is more like Minions or or something, you know, and I know Illumination does those movies, but it's much more in that camp of animated kids movie than it is something that's like aiming to be more meaningful. I mean, it has like moments where, you know, like that sort of call back to how like Mario's always there to help save Luigi and, you know, and stuff like that. But and there's kind of a moment about like between Donkey Kong and Mario about, you know, fathers who are always disappointed in them and stuff. But I mean, those things are like very, like fleeting, barely blink and you miss it kind of character development moments. Um, but I, I echo what you're saying about Anna Taylor Joy and Jack Black. I mean, they they are kind of the best thing about this movie. And especially not to take anything away from Anna, like Anya Taylor Joy. But, I mean, Jack Black's Bowser is, like, the most surprising and just, like, weird thing about the movie. Like, is it a spoiler to talk about, like, what what the twist is with him in this? I don't really feel like... like, It's not, like, really a twist. It's kind of like a subversion of something that's part of the games. Well, then, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't subvert things if people know the subversion's coming. So, I would say yes. I would okay, just say there's some scenes like they they definitely lean into the Tenacious D school of rock of it all for Jack yeah. Black. He gets some like crazy musical numbers and like the subject matter is like and why it, it's <laughs> it's it's definitely like a twist on what you're thinking, like what you expect yeah. from the movie. Yeah, um, I think so it's funny. Yeah, I think the best the best way to kind of I guess like encapsulate it without like spoiling it is like. You know, I mean, the whole object of the initial games early on for Bowser was to, like, you know, capture, like, Princess Peach and stuff. And the it borrows from a couple of the games where there's a bit of a, there's a sort of a twist on, like, why he wants to capture her. And they just, they take that to the nth, like, degree. And it, you know, I mean, it is, like, as goofy and sort of ridiculous 
a thing as possible, but it, it kind of works because like, otherwise, you know, the story of this big turtle person, like, you know, stealing a woman would be like, you know, in sort of modern day like that, you can't really do that. (laughs) Like the way that like the original games probably did. So, um, they try and do something. And I think for the most part, it, it kind of works because it makes Bowser out to be like a bit. Way to keep it mysterious there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm talking around it enough, right? I feel like I'm talking around But it, it sort of makes Bowser out to be like a bit of a goober instead of like, you know, like he's funny, not just like the bad guy of the movie or something. Um, and that that is fun to watch Jack Black kind of play um but uh, i have a question so yeah. so from the trailers like they seems like they threw fucking everything at this movie like the more you talk to mario karts and the donkey kongs of it all does that stuff is that stuff necessary at all or could, could they have left that all that out no they could have left a lot of it out yeah uh, but then again like i don't know if, the, if necessary in this movie like act well that's yeah. I think once you i think asking that question begins to like hang a, a death star shadow over this whole movie yeah, it's like, is true. anything in this movie vital or important? Like, not, and that's what people, I think but that's what a lot of, of critics yeah. have been saying. It's pretty to look at, but is there anything literally vital, human, or important about this movie? And it's like, weirdly, no. Yeah. Like, there is, they try to make it some story about like brothers, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about like the actual thematic point of it. Yeah, because it, it is kind of weird because it's like the whole point of the thing is like Luigi is always the one that kind of gets saved by Mario. Mario's the guy who like always gets knocked down but gets back up again. And then by the end of the movie, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's not in the movie. But like by the end of the movie, like Luigi gets like, he gets a couple of hero moments, but it's not like the story is about Luigi learning to save Mario or something. You know, it's, it is like Mario is still kind of the hero of the movie and everything they do with him sort of, taking care of Luigi is kind of, I think well, like the joke about this and like Godzilla versus Kong and these high branded brands trying to also make it as movie narratives is that like at a certain point, the company does not want their brand to be like fucked up or fucked with too much. Yeah. And they're not going to let some, a movie completely like alter the status quo of their business model for what has to be kind of like games are kind of like sitcoms and franchises. Like you need that same status quo at the base of it. So like showing Mario to be like inferior to Luigi in a moment, like it's not like something or Luigi being the big hero is just like, I don't think that's something that I would ever allow. You know what I mean? Nintendo. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just true. kind of like a weird thing. So the, so we go back to the whole focus group of it all. Like this is also like a product and, and not just like it's I mean all movies are but like this one's like a product product as opposed yeah. to just like a narrative yeah I think Rob when you say like is any of it necessary the what I think of when I hear you say that is like okay if you stripped all this stuff away like what's left and the answer to that is virtually nothing like okay. there isn't anything under all of the references and the callbacks and the like beautiful visuals and the like there isn't a point that the movie is making there isn't really like a and you know again you know people are going to listen to this and be like well i just want to watch like you know like a big budget version of all the cutscenes from one of my favorite childhood video games but it's like the what, what i was sort of saying i think even earlier about like 
you know, the Kongs all being gearheads and, you know, they have these carts and that sort of gives them the carts. It's like, that's how the movie feels constantly is it's kind of like, how, am, how are we going to force the characters to go do this thing? That's a cool callback to the games. And okay, well, fuck it. What if like, you know, the Kong country guys just like, you know, they all just drive around in these like carts all the time. And it's you know, also like, for like, yeah, it's also for like an ADD rattled generation. Like everything, I know my kids will love it because every five seconds there's some new shit for them to be like, oh my god, look, like it never rests. And that's part of the Kong thing. It's like you could just have a city of Kongs, but no, like they all got to be zipping around and, like Ben said, in fucking carts every five seconds, right? Yeah. So like nothing's ever chill, nothing's ever too still or boring. Like there's always some kind of major thing happening in the yeah and like to keep your eye and zipping around so yeah it's just and also weirdly enough i think there's a reverse on this saying that like is all this necessary and it's like yes in a weird kind of way because like ben said underneath it in its core there's nothing necessarily vital or important about the story that's being told here but what it is essentially is just a pastiche and like rob said like they threw they did through it's very perceptive to say they threw everything at the wall because that's exactly what this is it's everything from every one of the games kind of like thrown against the wall so that nobody feels left out right it's like okay let's start at the beginning here's your mario moment here's your like mario moment two moment oh shit remember this first time this happened to mario 3 that fucking blew the mind of the whole world oh shit remember when we had super mario 64 super mario galaxy super mario paint super mario odyssey you remember all these fucking other obscure games, Super Mario games you don't even remember? Oh shit, remember like the original, 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 original arcade game? Like all of that shit's just what this movie is. Oh, you remember the spinoffs? Remember Donkey Kong Country and shit? You remember that shit? Now, you know, with the barrels and all that fucking shit? You, hey, remember Mario Kart? <laughs> oh god damn, let's just make it all together. Like it's it's literally yeah. everything. It's the yeah. entire oh, man. Mario franchise. And, they, and, and I don't know if it's cynical as a product or they were just scared and like, we got to make sure that everybody feels like they get a piece of this. That's, yeah. It's like Rob like, there. Okay, that's so my like, Mario. Yeah. The, so it starts, it kind of starts out with like this, this like advertisement that the two of the Mario, well, you know, there's like a, there's sort of a pre-scene with Bowser and the penguin people that you've seen in the, yeah you know, in the trailers or whatever. But <laughs> it, after that, it, it goes to like a, what kind of looks like bit like an, kind of an 8-bit old school like animation style like the the Saturday morning cartoon style of like Mario and Luigi and it's an advertisement that they paid for for their plumbing company and then it's like you know they get sucked into the mushroom kingdom and then there you know you see like princess peach's castle and it's like straight out of the n64 game and then like there's stuff from like odyssey with like some of bowser's character design and like there's a part where mario and luigi grab bowser by the tail and like you know spin him around and throw him up in the air and it's like it's like that's what we you know we keep kind of saying it's like a computer saw all this and then like put together whatever's going to entertain people the most because like that's that is what it kind of ends up being. It's like there's very little that happens in the movie that doesn't exist in a game somewhere. Um, but you know, again, like you, like you may go see this movie because like, I really like I enjoyed watching it the first time through, just because I was kind of like, it, it is so it's such a love letter in some ways to just like moments in the video games. Yeah, it's a love letter Mario as a franchise. I mean, yeah. it's very. 
in a way of introducing a whole new generation to the character in a very kind of like palpable way that they can safe way, feel. yeah, for sure, yeah. And it's yeah. just, and it's nothing about as bad. I again, I glazed over and started falling asleep in the third act because there was, I mean, it's, it was building towards one obvious thing, one last obvious power up. And if you didn't have it on your bingo card and all that yeah. shit, you were just not <laughs> sure. paying attention. So yeah. I was just screaming in my head. I was just like, grab the goddamn, like, <laughs> yeah. spoiler, spoiler object. And like, let's yeah. finish this, please. Yeah. And so like, you know, you know exactly how it's going to end and all that. But um, yeah, no, it was beautiful to look at. Uh, and they do make you, and, and it is a weird thing because like trying to make Mario a world, an actual on-screen world in the Mushroom Kingdom and all that is berserk. So in all the realm and all the worlds they've added since then in all the different games, but they do a good job of that. So like now the world's established and the characters are established and, you know, they do some by the end you're used to Pratt and Charlie day who does a good job of this. And I hope that, uh, you know, we, we just get some kind of better films after this, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they do, you know, they do set up for a sequel, which, has a character that people will be excited to see. And like the, like, you know, I mean, Rob, like some of the coolest stuff in it, and then I'll, I'll kind of wrap up my thoughts on it. And I have one kind of final thought that I, I think is a good way of wrapping it up too. But like one of the things that like I did really love about it is like when it kind of goes into like Mario mode, it is really fun to watch them do like, there's one scene towards the beginning where Mario and Luigi are kind of like running through this construction zone and it's like a two, it's a 2d side scrolling kind of sequence where the camera is sort of locked on, you know, tracks and it's just watching them like jump up, you know, and kind of flip over things and, you know, parkour off stuff. And it, that's what I mean by it kind of looks like a next, next gen version of, you know Mario or something it's it's really beautiful looking and it's cool and it kind of gets you in the mood and makes you feel that that feeling that you get when you're really killing it in a Mario level where you're like running forward and sliding and dodging and you know you're stomping on a Goomba like it kind of it kind of captures that feeling a little bit in a fun way and then later on there's like a version of that that's kind of the N64 version of that and it's so like those moments, even just cinematically, like they look really cool and you can tell there was love and imagination like put into those. It's just the story is just so in particular is just so safe and kind of like made by committee, which like my final point is, is kind of like, that's the most interesting thing about the movie to me is when you think about the 1993 film with like Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper and stuff. And then you think about this movie, it's like they could not be polar opposites because that movie not be more polar opposites because that movie was so fucking weird and such a like bizarre attempt at adapting this property for live action (laughs) that then like, you know, a full like 30 years later, what they ended up deciding to do when they came back for another big blockbuster movie was make it a CGI movie that takes almost no risks whatsoever. <laughs> like that's it's, so weird, that's it's the weird so part weird. about it. By the way, I saw that original in theater with my brother and father. I'll never yeah. forget how fucking weird that was. But um, <laughs> I did not understand. I showed, son, I showed my son the trailer for that one before the trailer for this one. And like these are, and he was so mad. He was like, that yeah. is not Mario. It's so weird. Like, yeah. The Goombas might. in that are still like some of the weirdest characters I've oh ever seen. God. on Dennis screen. Hoppers in that. It's bad. Yeah. What the hell? Like, I mean, I mean we got so Jake bad. John Leguizano. So, I mean, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – well, keep in mind, this is like SNES era when that happened. <laughs> so there wasn't yeah. much to go on. He's pixelated <laughs> and whatever. And it was boots and shit. Oh, yeah. oh, that's true. And the power glove, though? Power glove. Yeah, yeah. Um, power glove, that's right. What was going to say? Yeah, that, to your point, though, that the time gap, Ben, is like it's, – it's weird to me that their first approach – uh, bringing an already mega IP to any screen because that hasn't been a TV show or movie in forever, right? It's so weird that their first step out of the gate is to just like shotgun all of this stuff. Like, I would have thought like to me, there's so much to mind just dropping yeah. the brothers into the Mushroom Kingdom and digging deeper because the first like stills and stuff they showed were like, here's the Toadstool Village, all the little shops. And even that, like, that's not from the games. That's cool. There's so much that you could do there. And then going yeah. to the castle and then meeting someone, learning of this problem. And they have to solve the problem. Like to me, there's so much story and adventure and unfolding and unraveling that kingdom before you even need to get to Mario Kart or the DKs or you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm surprised that they blew a lot of that on this. Um, not to yeah. say it can't all come back in sequels, of course, but it just seems like they just the scope of this one didn't fit a chapter one for me. I mean, from what you're saying anyways, but yeah. um, I am still going to see it for sure. It ain't no Dungeons and Dragons, that's for sure. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's just, like I said, they just kind of go, they get to it, and there's like, and the script is what's going to hurt your head. There is just like, everything's so on the nose. Everything is like pronounced. They literally tell you beats of the movie out loud. Like the whole adventure thing is just a starting point. Like yeah. it's just... Like I think I'm pretty sure at one point they say like we're gonna it's time for the final battle to begin. Oh yeah, the, it is. There's like a big scene where they, somebody says like now is the time where the final battle will begin, and after this, like either way, everything will be different. And you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. you're like, okay like, I guess true. Guess yeah. we're in the final fight now. All right. Yeah. Um. And I and again I kind of glazed over. I almost fell asleep on the final battle of this one, but. We finally got to the thing where everybody got to stand up in theater and goes, oh, yeah, that's the thing. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, it sounds like we're, you know, like, I, like I said, I like I really en- I enjoyed watching it. Listen, I just like if there you- are funny parts. Let me say something yeah. positive because I, I have been pretty negative here. The best thing about this, and I hope when they get now that they've loosened up a bit and they've established, OK, Nintendo's like swung its dick around a little bit like now they just let them. I hope the people in charge let people get weird and make an actual movie because yeah. the best bits of this movie are literally the parts when like you can tell the comedians, the vocal, the, the writers, the vo- like the voice actors in the room, like got to play around a little bit more. Yeah. And those are the most sure. fun parts. There's one character in here who's like one of those star creature things. That's, freaking hilarious yeah that is just so out of place in the rest of this kind of weird (laughs) baloney sheet of a movie but it's like it's just it's this completely nihilistic star character that just says the most intense like weird shit in this movie (laughs) yeah it's so great and and there's shit that he says that like made me fall on the floor like almost like just cracking up yeah and i was just like mostly because i was just like i can't believe this is this like weird kids movie that he's saying this yeah um and like, yeah, that kind of, those moments are great. The Jack Black stuff that we're trying not to spoil at the same time, like the Jack Black stuff, there are just entire sequences of him just getting like, that are just so like the whole movie stops just to have this sequence of him. And it is like fucking amazing. So I hope yeah. they just keep getting weird 
And there are other like little weird things that happen throughout the movie at different points. There's some weird conversations. There's some weird energy between like Mario and Peach at certain times yeah. that are like kind of funny because they kind of subvert like romantic stuff. So there, and even there's some scary parts in like Luigi. They keep they put Luigi through some like pretty freaky. Oh stuff man, yeah that yeah. There's a yeah, the the shy like we won't say what it is, but the shy guy they shoot the shy guys and like a way that is like out of a horror movie that actually makes it kind of horrifying. Like those guys. Oh, yeah. and oh that whole first arrival is like pure stranger things. Again, the yeah, AI saw stranger things for <laughs> like, this would be good. And they like, and they also get in like a Luigi's mansion nod, you know, yeah, like, so it's just like, sure. it's, it's fucking, yeah, it's great. And so there are some positive things. Like, I just don't want to be sound like I'm too negative because there are even even Seth Rogen works his laugh into this movie in like yeah. a, a kind of funny way. <laughs> like it's yeah, just, uh, I actually really enjoyed like Seth Rogen kind of as Donkey Kong in in some ways because it you know I know he did that interview where they like you know he said they called him and was like do you want to play Donkey Kong and he was like well I don't really do voices so like if you want a Donkey Kong that sounds like Seth Rogen then but it, it kind of works and also like the, he just has good like he just has great banter I think with you know, with like with Chris Pratt's Mario and stuff like that's the portion of the movie that is kind of a little bit of a rivalry between them is fun. And well, that's yeah. And that's again, like a weird thing because I think he knows how to be even in those corporate movies, like kind of subversive. And so yeah. he's like actually playing like this whole movie about like fatherhood and like, yeah. you know, yeah. imposing fathers and like, you know, kind of toxic manhood and like yeah. all this stuff about like, like trying to live up to these image of your father. She's like in this other deep psychological like drama um, yeah. while playing a big monkey. And it's kind of, and then that part's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Um, awesome. Rob, you have any other questions about it? You can go see it. Uh, no, I mean, I do, but they're, I know they're going to result in spoilers. So I'll just wait yeah. until I see it. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, I'd say see it. You know what? Honestly, like, I saw something that said like, you know, made, you know, made like for IMAX or something with this, like, you know, they were going to play it in IMAX and like, I can actually see it kind of working in IMAX because it's just so big and lush and beautiful looking. So, I mean, I absolutely encourage people who grew up with these games to go, go see it. I think you will enjoy it. You'll probably think Kofi and I are being too hard on it, but I think if you take a step back and then you said, okay, like, you know, do you want to go see that movie again this weekend? Like, that's where a lot of people would kind of be like, oh, well, no, not really. And the reason is, is because, you know, once you get kind of over the nostalgia of seeing it, like we said, you sort of strip that away and you have to actually sit through it again. I don't know that people would be quite as excited about it, but. Um, Here's the you know, real question. Super Mario or Wreck-It Ralph? Oh, yeah. It does have major Wreck-It Ralph vibes just in general. Um I would. I mean, Wreck It Ralph. I think is a better movie. I'd rather see that again. Probably, I would see that again over this. But I enjoyed this a lot the first time through. Um, in my, what about you? Uh, Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, I think so too. It's a feeling. is my man. Yeah, I don't know if I ever saw the second Wreck It Ralph. Not in. Yeah, I don't know if I did too. Oh, I did. It, it, it turned into like, <laughs> like member berry fiasco a little bit. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, but you know what? Though, again, those those movies are carried through by like kind of like an emotional narrative of the main character. There actually is a connection. I mean, yeah. I can't speak to the Mario Luigi of it all, but like there is that carrying like Wreck-It Ralph thread. You know, it had a lot of heart behind it. You know, I don't know yeah. what Mario does, but 
Yeah, it makes sense. Um, all right, well, that will do it for this week's uh, this week's episode. You can uh, you can follow me at Ben Kendrick. You can check out on Twitter. You can check out what I'm doing over at Static Media. We run Slash Film and Looper. Mr. Rob Keys. Yeah, I am Rob underscore Keys. That's K E Y E S on Twitter. Uh, you follow my stuff on Screen Rate, and with less than 24 hours, I'll be flying to London for Star Wars Celebration. So awesome! Uh, look forward to live oh, coverage of that. Enjoy yourself. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me. I'm Kofi Outlaw at Kofi Outlaw in your mom's house, Kofi Outlaw. Oh. Uh, you can also find me at Comic Book. And I uh, also host the soon to be award worthy Comic Book Nation uh, podcast every Friday. Uh, where we did Dungeons and Dragons on our last one. We'll be doing Super Mario on our upcoming one. And uh, this helps me polish out what I'll say. So there it's always go. good to do it. Uh, yeah. Also, I'm going <laughs> to pass out now for a couple hours and wake up and watch this next episode of The Mandalorian. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, yo, 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 yo. Before you guys say, is Toad's head a head or a hat? Do they talk about that in the movie? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that they. I know the it. answer. I was curious if the movie addresses it. I don't think the movie addresses it. Oh, Toad is the character in the movie that Kofi keeps referring to. That's like we're going on an adventure, and you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> is that Keegan Michael Key's character, yeah, Keegan Michael Key, which yeah. his voice, his voice gets fucking lost in that character. I, I mean, some of these people sound exactly like who they are in real life, like you know Seth Rogen, for instance, but. Keegan Michael Key disappears into into his toad, I think. And so does Fred Armisen as the uh, as Donkey Kong's dad. Yeah, Cranky Kong. I like that. Maybe. I like Fred Armisen as a voice actor. That's cool. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's fun. He's fun and like, yeah. I mean, he's the right guy for that role too. The way it's played. So, um, yeah, pretty fun. But yeah, the, what is the answer then? Oh, it's a hat. It's not a hat. These these weird cultists keep thinking it's a hat. It's not. Nintendo confirmed. So if you think it's a hat, man, you need to get checked. Like that's a that's a real ass mushroom head. So yeah, it's a dick um, joke. We all know it's a dick joke. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like Princess a, Peach. It's, it's, it's not a covered dick. Toadstool, it's a full on dick. Toadstool yeah. Princess Peach. Like uh, yeah, we all know what's going you. on here. Come we on, see you, man. Nintendo. We yeah, all we use no emojis now, so we get it. That's oh, it. they're disgusting oh. over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait till they get to the eggplant kingdom. My voice roll's coming. All what do you right. think all these tubes are about, man? Anyways, let's, 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 let's wrap it up. That's it. <laughs> Magic tubes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> They'll lead to fantastic places. Yeah. Um, all right. They have those killer snapper traps in them. Oh, <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> that'll That'll do it for this week's episode. We will see you all next week. Gobble your plumber fun. right up. Yeah, we'll do a post-celebration stuff. There's going to be announcements oh, yeah, right. for sure. So may, later in the week, maybe we can do something. Okay, so before we go, uh, over under on them announcing a Star Wars 10. Because people are talking about this online. But like <sighs> now with- I don't know. Look, look. look. <sighs> I expect a movie 100%, if not multiple. I do not think it's – well, I don't, I don't think it'll be 10. They should distance I don't know themselves if, from I don't that. Know if they're gonna re- I don't know if they're going to go there yet. I think they'll just- Announce yeah, something else. People don't want that. <laughs> it's like the saga <laughs> sucks. It's like don't do more. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that's that's what I saw a lot of people talking about it. Where it's like that's the easy move, and maybe it is the easy move, but I just man, I don't know what that would have to be a great idea, and it would have to like. I don't know yeah. if they can ignore it though. Yeah, everybody loves that little 
that little X. Little Give it fifteen moment. years, and people will be like, "Oh yeah, we love that stuff." You know, <laughs> that's how it always goes, <laughs> right? But no, give us some new stories, man. Like I don't know, something different. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, we'll see what happens. Have a great Stop. week, everyone. Stop.